Good morning, Village Church. My name is Alex Culpepper, and I'm the next-gen pastor here at Village Church. Normally, what that means is that I'm back in the back hanging out with the kids, but today I get the joy of being in here with all of you. And so, I wanna, today we're going to talk about technology, uh, and I want to give you a warning at the outset uh, that this is going to feel just a little bit like an intervention. So I want to prepare all of you for that, just so you know, like, we're going to be talking about the possibility of your tech addiction, we're going to be talking about my tech addiction, and we'll all just bring this up, bring it to the forefront. It'll be transparent, it'll be a wonderful time, really looking forward to it. So... <laughs> Uh, I, I just want you to know that I don't think there has been any sermon that I've ever preached that has shown me just how desperately I'm falling short. Um, so I, I, I don't think I've just been quite as exposed by any sermon that I have than by this sermon. So I want to give uh, an experience that maybe a lot of you can relate to. There are many times when I frequently have the best of intentions to accomplish something or, or a series of things. I might get my to-do list out and have it all hashed out. And then I'm like, I'm going to sit down and, and I'm really going to get through this to-do list. And then like about five minutes into getting stuff done, I just happen like my fingers just sort of unconsciously type in facebook.com into my browser. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, 15 minutes has disappeared and then uh, 30 minutes and then an hour because I'm just scrolling through uh, this constant news feed. Here's a, like, a fun little fact. I don't know if you know this, but uh, you know how you can like pull down and then it'll refresh your news feed? Did you know that they designed the Facebook news feed and other things like it, that pull down function, off of the same psychology that they design slot machines off of. Uh, so, so that you, like, so you can, if you just pull down this, you have, you have control over your entire world and you can really make something happen for yourself. And it's the same, it's, it's hitting that same little center in our brain, that addiction center for us. And so that's just, a, that's a fun little fact about Facebook and how they uh, structure their stuff. So, um, so I was, uh, I, I had my plans to get this to-do list done, right? And so I was like, I, I have to go to Starbucks, all right, but I can't go to the Starbucks on Irving Park in 59 because everybody here knows that all the, the Village Church staff works at uh, Starbucks on Irving Park in 59, so I had to go to a different Starbucks because nobody can distract me. And uh, so I get there and I, I start working away, and it's, uh, it was my birthday that day, so, uh, and I, but I have stuff to get done, and, and, but my phone is just constantly blowing up because all of these people are saying happy birthday to me, like, which is wonderful. Wonderful. I love that everybody like wants to celebrate me and help me feel good on this special day, right? But, but my phone is blowing up in these notifications and every time a notification blows up, I hit it and I look at it and I read all the happy birthday posts. And so like I didn't actually accomplish nearly as much as I had hoped to on Thursday because uh, all of these notifications were going off. And every time a notification, a message, uh, an email, something comes through your phone and your phone gives a little buzz or a ding or whatever it is, um, it, it does something inside your head. Very similar to what drugs do to you, actually. Uh, drugs are, are more intense, but uh, it, it sends dopamine off in your head, which is the reward chemical that your brain gives off. It makes you feel happy, makes you feel special, all of this good stuff. And so every time uh, you get a notification on your phone, it's actually triggering that dopamine center in your head, and, it, and it's leading you further and further into distraction and addiction. The real problem is this, that these things right here, these uh, whatever device you have, they are built by their creators 
to be addiction making machines. That is their purpose. They want to keep you hooked to them. They want you to have an incessant need for them. That's the way these things function. And so uh, they, they, they keep us constantly connected, right? We're, we're always connected to all the people around us. And these can actually be incredibly useful tools. Uh, many of you are connected on Facebook because you are making connections with people who are uh, from your life, like in your past, and you're now able to, to connect them and to communicate with them and talk about how things used to be. It's, it's wonderful, right? These can be really, really useful tools. But more often than not, they end up distracting us from the things that are most important. So I'm gonna put a disclaimer out here. You might think today that I'm gonna put technology into a negative light. And uh, I, I wanna say that that's, that's not my intention at all. Um, in fact, technology is not, it's morally neutral, right? There's nothing bad inherently about technology. Uh, but its usefulness can appeal to both good and bad motivations and desires inside of us. And that's really what we're going to hit on today because one of those desires that it appeals to most is the desire inside of us for distraction. And this is not a new desire, but it's a, it's a very natural one that we're all inclined to. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a quote to you from a 17th century philosopher. So this is like a long time ago, right? And he's writing about distraction because this is a common thing that plagues humanity from beginning to end. So this is, this is what he says. This comes from Blaise Pascal. He's a Christian philosopher in the 17th century. He says, the only thing which consoles us for our miseries is distraction. And yet, this is the greatest of our miseries. For it is distraction which principally hinders us from reflecting upon ourselves and which makes us insensibly ruin ourselves. Without distraction, we would be in a state of weariness and this weariness would spur us to seek a more solid means of escaping from it, but distraction amuses us and leads us unconsciously to death. We love distraction. Uh, by the way, our current economy is actually built on distraction, shopping malls, all these things you can buy and fill your life with, right? But why? Why is it that we love distraction so much? And I think the answer to that question is this. Distraction, it enables us to ignore important realities. Realities that might be inside of us, in our relationships, in the world around us that are in connection to God. Distraction enables us to be ignorant in a sense. This idea that, that we are wired to ignore these realities around us, that we're wired to ignore truths of the world, this is not a new idea, but it's actually a theme that we see in scripture. Romans 1.18 says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness, and this is the core part of their unrighteousness, by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. You know what distraction enables us to do really, really well? It enables us to suppress 
truth. This is the core aspect of our natural fallen state as human beings. And so when it says truth, this is how I want us to think of truth. Truth equals reality. Um, so th- this could be realities in our relationships, realities between us and God, realities of like our emotional world. But um, that, uh, that in suppressing truth, that reality, like the truth of God's word, like God's word lays out for us what reality actually looks like. And we can choose to either take that or we can choose to ignore that. But the foundation upon which reality is built is truth. And so uh, what do distractions have to do with this? Well, they enable us to disengage with reality, right? They enable us to to go to some other world and and to actually enjoy the process of disengaging. Uh, And so the distraction of technology gives us more options than we have ever had in history to be constantly distracted. You see, distractions enable us to ignore important realities, to suppress truth. And technology is a distraction. We can do this to an extent that we've never been able to before. And so I have one big overarching question that I want all of us to write down, or if you're using your phone, you can type it in there. But this is the big overarching question that I want all of us to be asking. This is a question for self-awareness. And that question is this. What important reality is my tech enabling me to ignore. What important reality is my tech enabling me to ignore? As we go through this, we're gonna talk about what some most important realities are, um, because there are a few that we're called to pay attention to. But uh, I want this overarching question to sort of guide your thinking, because I could wager that um, for, for many of us, this is gonna look different from person to person. So if you could open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 12, uh, and I'll give you sort of a background on what's happening here. So the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, Sadducees, all of these religious leaders, they are uh, coming to Jesus and they're asking Jesus these like really ridiculous questions to try to trip him up, right? Uh, but they're, so they ask him questions about like, who should we pay taxes to? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Um, what if we don't wanna pay taxes to Caesar? They ask questions about what like, uh, like little details of like what's gonna happen in the resurrection and, and who's gonna to be whose husband or wife and that sort of thing. And so they're, they're like uh, very distracted, right? They have all of these little questions and little issues that they're trying to raise. And uh, verse 28 says this. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, right? They're very, very distracted, having stupid arguments and seeing that he answered them well. So this, this scribe sees that Jesus is able to give good answers. So he asks him a question. He says, which commandment? is the most important of all. So like this is really, really important, right? And so, so I, wanna think, I wanna talk about their distractions for a second because I kinda think of their distractions like some of the conversations that we have today. Like, hey Jesus, Android or Apple? Hey Jesus, Facebook or Instagram? You know, like uh, Mac or PC? Like these, we have these like little disputes, right? And they don't really matter. And of course, everybody at Village Church knows that Apple is superior to everything. So (laughs) no, that's uh, for anybody, that's a joke. Okay, I just want to set your minds at ease. Don't worry, like we are not really having that conversation. But um, so this is is what's happening though. They're distracted with these, these questions. And so Jesus has asked this question. Which commandment is the most important of all? And then Jesus, with these people who are so, so distracted, he sits down and he calls them back to the most important realities. So point one in your notes, does my tech 
help me love the Lord. Mark 12, 29, Jesus answered them, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So this comes from the Shema, which uh, is found in Deuteronomy 6. And um, that, this, this, this start of the command, this start of the command that Jesus gives here, when it was originally given to the Israelites, this happened just before they were getting ready to go take their conquest of this land that God had promised them. And so God is sitting down with his people Israel and he's talking to them and he's getting them ready to go into this land now, what's going to be in this land? Well, there are going to be all of these pagan, polytheistic nations. They're all going to have these different gods that they worship. And honestly, all of these gods have these, these different things that they appeal to in people. And, and so they, there are these intriguing opportunities as they get ready to walk into this land. Each god has this unique thing that appeals to people. And so, so what God is saying is you are getting ready to walk into a jungle of distraction. And so as he recognizes that, he says to Israel, here, pay attention. Listen to what I have to say. Get your eyes off, the, off of the distractions and focus on me. Here's the foundational reality. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So you might go into this, this place and you might be pulled in all of these different directions by all of these different gods, but the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So God speaks to his people and he tells them this. And so um, our situation isn't too far off. There, uh, there are these entities that exist today uh, and they have been referred to as the four. And the four have kind of like a godlike status if you hear people talk about them. So I want to talk to you about the four. Over the last 20 years, four entities have inspired more joy, connections, prosperity, and discovery than any entity in history. The four are responsible for an array of products and services that are entwined into the daily lives of billions of people. Combined, the four have generated unprecedented wealth, uh, nearly $3 trillion combined. The via, uh, that via stock ownership has helped millions of people across the planet actually build economic security. And in sum, these four, they make the world a better place. Now that's a potential for a lot of distraction, right? Millions of people willingly offer their loyalty, their information, their money, and their reliance to these four companies, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. In fact, in order for me to actually be able to prepare this message today, I used all four of those companies in some way, shape, or form, right? Like I'm preaching from an Apple iPad right now. This is how, um, this is how wired these companies are into every aspect of our society, and, and we can tend to offer them sort of this like God-like status, right? And so in the midst of us, in the midst of this, Jesus is calling to us and he's saying, no, listen, listen, you, you're distracted, you're pulled in all of these different directions, but the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. Now, uh, 
I'm not here to tell you that, okay, so we just need to completely forsake all anything that these companies give to us. Like, I'm not suggesting that we are gonna go and now become Amish and get rid of all of our technology and that sort of thing. Like, I don't want you to think that that's my goal this morning. But, um, but we do, I just want us to think intentionally about the influence and the level of control that these things have in our lives. So um, this relationship with technology, this is, this is actually a common theme for Israel. Um, so they get set up as a nation, they make their conquest into their land, they start getting there, and they start asking God for a king. They really, really want a king. And so um, God is like, well, I don't understand, but I guess I'll give you a king because you look at all these other nations and they all have kings, so I'll give you one. So God gives them a king and he says this one thing about the king. In Deuteronomy 17, 16, says only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. So this is what many horses means. Many horses equals many chariots. So if you have horses, you are able to have chariots. Chariots just happen to be one of the biggest technological advancements of that day. So uh, when people get chariots, they actually get a lot of military might and power. And this is what God was concerned about, is that when Israel goes and gets chariots, which they did, by the way, that they are going to put their faith in their military power and their might and their technology, and they're going to quit acknowledging God and quit putting their faith and quit trusting in him. So the overarching concept for us is this as we have developed newer and better ways of doing things, our temptation is always going to become to be reliant upon the things instead of the one who makes it possible for us to have the things. So continuing on this first point, does my tech help me love the Lord? Mark twelve thirty, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What are these things? Our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Are these not tools that God has given us? These tools that God has given us, and just like, just like our tech can be used for bad or good, all of these tools, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, they can be used for bad or good. But the Lord is calling to us to use these to, to love him. And so Jesus, he issues this call. He says, listen to me. Pay attention. There is a lot of distraction out there. You're getting pulled in a lot of different directions, but listen up. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Use all of the tools that he has given you to love him. So when we bring technology into the picture, the big idea is this. Use your tech for what's most important. It's my desire this morning to get super practical with all of us. So uh, with each of these points that we're gonna walk through this morning, we are gonna look at warning signs that our tech is actually having more control than it should. So uh, with that being said, I just let's look at some warning signs that your tech is enabling you to ignore God. The first one is this. The first and last chunks of your day belong to technology. 
Do the first, last, first and last chunks of your day belong to the technology? Because those pieces of your day are actually really, really opportune times to reflect upon the Lord and what, how he's moving in your life, what he's doing, to talk to him, to pray with him. Like these are really great opportunities to do that. But so often, and like I'm, I'll be the first one to admit, like first thing when I wake up in the morning, I'm tempted to just grab my phone and scroll through Facebook. Like, and I'm just looking at the newsfeed. And maybe for some people, it's not Facebook, maybe it's something else. But you're, you can just like scroll there and then you lose your 15 minutes. You lose your 30 minutes. You lose your hour. And then, and then when that happens, like that is such a prime opportunity for the Lord to build into us, for, for him to prepare us for our day. And then at the end of the day, before we go to bed, for him to be the last thing that we're reflecting upon. So, uh, so that might be a warning sign that the first and last chunks of your day belong to technology. Uh, the next warning sign, you can't find time to pray, but you can find time to post or watch or read any of these things. So one of the things that I hear more and more, and we've been even talking about this in my community group to a certain extent, is it's just really, really hard to find time to pray. But the reality is, is like we, we can find plenty of time to like be connected to what's going on out there in the world. Um, and so uh, it's, easily, it's easier and pr- initially it's more engaging because your devices, they entertain you, they amuse you, they keep you distracted. And so, um, but this, the reason that this matters is because God, he desperately, desperately wants to have a relationship with us, right? Like he wants to connect with us. So have you ever been like trying to have a conversation with a person and then like the whole time they just have their phone in front of their face like this, right? So, uh, so I was preparing my message yesterday and I'm asking my wife for some help with this message. She's a good helper. She is like giving me some advice on this and she has like something really, really profound to say about this message, right? And uh, at that moment, somebody texts me and I pull out my phone and I zone into my phone and she's like sitting here talking, saying this very profound thing, right? I have no idea what she's saying. I'm completely zoned out, right? Because I'm in here. And that is like annoying. It is so annoying. Like she told me, she was like, you're not paying attention to me. And it's, it's pretty ironic that I was preparing for this message. But, uh, but that's the point, right? Like that's not how relationships work. And God, he desperately wants us to have a relationship with us. But every time that we take out our phone and there's an opportunity for us to connect with him, we're creating a barrier in that relationship. Uh, and then the third warning sign is this. You regularly sacrifice what you, should, what you know you should do for the sake of your own amusement. So this is, um, in scripture, there are two categories of sin. There are sins of commission, which sins, things that we do that we shouldn't do. So that's something that we commit, sins of commission. And then there are sins of omission, things that we, uh, we know that we shouldn't do, sorry, things that we know we should do that we don't do, sins of omission, things that we omit, right? So there are these things that we know we should do that we don't do because we're distracted by technology, right? And so, uh, so knowing these things, we have to be really, really careful because this, is, this might not just be a problem like we spend too much time on technology. This might go into the realm of sin for some of us. And I, like, I could, I'm ready and willing to admit that like, that's where I'm at with this. And so this is something that the Lord is calling us out of because he wants relationship with us. He wants our affections. Point two in your notes. Does my tech 
help me love others. Mark 12, 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So any effort to actively love people who cross my path is gonna be rooted in the following assumption, that other people are incredibly valuable and worthy of my time and attention. So do you believe that other people are incredibly valuable and worthy of your time and attention? So I'm not like, I'm an introvert. I'll make uh, that confession right now. And all the introverts in the room, please raise your hands. Of course, you won't raise your hands because you're introverts and everybody will stare at you. Uh, and that's very uncomfortable. So, uh, you know, Michael has this phrase. He says, uh, awkward is awesome. And uh, let me be the first to tell you definitively that awkward is not awesome at all in any way, shape, or form. Awkward makes me very uncomfortable. I want to flee awkwardness because I am an introvert because I just, I want to, I need to be by myself for a little bit. And so, uh, so I acknowledge that people can be hard sometimes and uh, that's okay. I love all of you, like don't take that the wrong way. I'm just like, this is my introversion though. This is something that I'm dealing with. And so the problem that I have is that technological distraction, it actually makes it easier for me to disengage from the reality that God has placed me in with the people that he has placed me with. Technology actually really makes it much easier for me to disengage so that you can be standing with me and I might be a little uncomfortable and so I might just take my phone out and that, like, that provides some sort of peace in my soul. And that's not good. That's not good. Now, introverts aren't the only ones who struggle with technology and just their relationships with other people. Extroverts, honestly, like, they, they can be uh, on the same sort of struggle, but it can look different. So extroverts, they can crave the constant connection that is provided from their technology. And in some ways, they can be more connected to what's going on out there in the world than they are connected to what's going on right now with the people who are with them. And so what we find is that these connections, these things, that they, they take us out of being present with people. Being present with people. And so these things, they cease to be useful tools at that point. So we're called then the call on us and the general idea of the New Testament that like the way we are to love others is that we're to practice hospitality. That actually like when we go out into the world, we carry the presence of God with us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. The idea is that wherever we go, we are actually representing our king. And so we get the opportunity to show people like what happens when they come into the presence of the king because if the Holy Spirit is really inside of us, we're taking his presence out with us wherever we go. And so these people are incredibly valuable and incredibly important, right? And so we wanna create space for them. But every time we lift our phone up to our face, we put a barrier between us and them. So uh, I have an illustration. I, I was with my family actually last Sunday after Easter, and uh, I, I had stuff to do on my phone, right? Uh, so I, I had some work that I was trying to get done, and just a few things before uh, I shut down, I was able to be with my family, right? Uh, but then, like, I'm sitting here, and the, the work that I had to do was taking, like, 10, 15 minutes, and my, uh, my wife's grandfather, he looks at me, and he says, like, what, are you texting your girlfriend over there? Like, I'm just, cause I'm just like so distracted with this thing that's in front of me. And the most important thing is that right now, I'm with the people that I'm with. 
I'm with the people that I'm with. Okay, so let's talk practically. What are some warning signs that your tech is enabling you to ignore others? The first one is this, you use it to avoid confronting relational issues. So like, I can do this, right? I can, uh, I don't love conflict, conflict is hard for me, and so uh, I can know that there's some sort of conflict over there with X, Y, or Z person that I haven't addressed yet, and it's just easier for me to, oh, I have to answer these emails and I have to take care of these things, and I can let that conflict over there brew and never take care of it. And so that's a warning sign that your tech is actually enabling you to, do, to ignore others because you're called to go in and address those things. It's what it means to to love, to value that other person, not to just let those things fester. The second warning sign is this. You have a device in front of you while you're interacting with someone else. So uh, this, I I mean, we see it all the time, right? Uh, And what can happen is that we could actually believe that we're multitasking, right? So I'm able to do all of these things at once. So I can interact with you and value you and answer my emails and check Facebook and do all of these things at the same time. But let me tell you, first of all, I don't believe that anybody can effectively multitask. I really, I really struggle to believe that. And uh, second of all, like the, the phone that you pick up and place between yourself and that person, Like they recognize your phone sitting there and that is creating a barrier for them in that relationship. So make the effort to put it away. Um, So that's that's the second warning sign. Third warning sign is this. Uh, You're often addressing relational issues through a tech medium. And that is as opposed to in-person or over the phone. So if this is how you regularly address your relational issues, then um, you, you might have a problem with this. This can look very different in a bunch of different contexts. This could be passive aggressive posting on Facebook. This could be uh, calling somebody out publicly before you privately address the situation with them. Uh, This could, uh, honestly, so here's the problem with addressing things through email and text, right? Is that nobody can read body language and nobody can read tone of voice. And when you can't read body language or tone of voice, you can make a, a bunch of assumptions about somebody's intentions without actually knowing what they're trying to say. And so like this, uh, this ability, this skill of having difficult conversations is actually rapidly disappearing from our culture because we are so stuck on our distraction and we're doing everything through these tech mediums. The, four, the other warning sign is this. Um, you spend more of your at-home hours on your tech instead of with your family. Your core relationships are honestly gonna start to suffer because of this, but it will be a slow decay because you don't notice it at first. And then uh, a week goes by, a month goes by, and you haven't really had a conversation or talked in any depth about anything. Okay, so those are the warning signs for uh, loving others. And then the the third point in your notes is this, does my tech help me love myself? Mark 12, 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I wanna clarify something. Uh, I was really hesitant to put the phrase love myself in here because there is a whole lot of baggage and cultural connotations that come along with that. And so, um, so we tend to think in our culture that when I say love myself, uh, that that means give me everything that I want. I'm going to take care of myself first and so I'm gonna give myself everything that I want. But let's talk about kids for a second. Uh, so if you're raising kids and what you're trying to do is love that kid well, are you going to give that child everything that they want? Please, please, please say no. Yes, okay, you understand. All right, that's good. So, 
You're not gonna give them everything that you want. Why in the world would you give yourself everything that you want? Especially if you can acknowledge that like the desires of our hearts by nature are wicked and crooked and they need to be fixed by Jesus, right? And so we don't need, we don't wanna give ourselves everything that we want all the time. Okay, so that's, that's the clarification. Uh, I don't mean when I say love yourself, give yourself everything that you want. What I more mean is this, take care of yourself. Care for yourself well. Um, Because much of the ways that we use tech, actually they work against self-awareness, they work against self-care, they keep us distracted from what's really going on inside of us. So remember the the quote that we had from earlier, it talked about how people are naturally miserable and so um, we find ways to amuse ourselves and ignore our misery instead of actually doing the hard work of caring for ourselves and doing something to escape from that misery, right? So this technological distraction that we have, it it kills self-awareness and it kills us actually doing anything to solve the problems that we have. And this is like, this is naturally how humans are wired. Like we're trained from an early age to push emotions away and to not deal with emotions. And uh, we have more and more versatile ways now of pushing away emotions and not dealing with them. And so like some people, you can self-medicate with a whole host of things in our culture, right? Like it might not be technology for you. It might be drugs or alcohol or it, it, it could be any host of things that just help you to sort of ignore what's going on inside of you. But the reality is this, the more self-aware we are, actually the more effectively that we're gonna be able to love God and love others. Okay, so if we're gonna use our tech to love ourselves, to care well for ourselves, we have to first consider the ways in which our technology is hindering us. So here's some warning signs that your tech is enabling self-ignorance. You use your technology as a means of escaping feelings of guilt, anger, anxiety, or depression. So I just took this like straight out of a psychology manual for um, figuring out addiction, determining addiction. This is one of the questions that they ask. Do you use X, Y, or Z, whatever your addiction might be, as a means of escaping feelings of guilt, anger, anxiety, or depression? So this is a warning sign that your tech could be enabling self-ignorance. The second warning sign is this, that you spend more time reflecting on technology experiences than you do reflecting on real world experiences. That the the most meaningful experiences that you have would be involved in a tech realm is actually really, really unhelpful because it takes you out of reality and allows you to craft an alternative reality, which there's nothing true about that alternative reality. It's something that is made up and out here. And so, so if you spend more time reflecting on your tech experiences, you're more likely to craft that alternative reality. But Jesus calls us back to reality. And so we have, to, we have to acknowledge these things. We have to be aware of uh, just self-care. We have to be aware of ourselves and the needs that we have. Okay, so this next part that we're gonna do, we're gonna get really, really strategic. I, wanna, um, I have three categories that I kinda wanna look at. I wanna look at how we can use tech positively. So um, ways, that, ways that we don't just throw these things away, right, but that we can use them to sort of reinforce uh, good things for us. I wanna look at what it looks like to take control of tech addiction. And then finally, I want to look at training kids who will master their tech because we also have to really think about the next generation when we talk about this. Okay, so strategies, positive uses for your tech. 
So uh, the first one is this, set alarms and alerts for prayer and Bible study. This is a really, really helpful strategy. And even if you have like an old brick phone and you don't happen to have a smartphone, I'm pretty sure that every single phone has an alarm of some kind on it. And there are, you can set alarms in that phone to be able to go off at certain times to say, hey, that's my prayer reminder. That's my Bible study reminder. Uh, next one, next strategy is this, take advantage of instantaneous accountability. So uh, my father-in-law actually gave me this idea because he, uh, he has uh, somebody that he texts every morning and they just, they talk about, uh, you know, what reading they did for the day and what they're praying for that day and those sorts of things. And so um, just so you have somebody who you're communicating with and you're checking in with each other and say, hey, how's your Bible study going? What's the Lord talking to you about? How's the Lord working in your life? That you would have some sort of regular person to check in with along those lines. Uh, access to digital discipleship material. So we released the Village Church Q&A podcast. We have uh, several podcasts that we're working on, things that we're doing. Um, there are articles out there that are written. A lot of things, there's a ton of material that can be accessed for the sake of your discipleship. And there are ways that you can take advantage of that. And that's a really, really positive use of technology. Um, so posting Bible verses. Uh, this, is, this is a really helpful way. Some of you see uh, your social media accounts as a platform to proclaim the truth about God. And that's like, that is a really valuable way to use those things. And so I want to definitely reinforce that. That's, that's good. Using your time on tech to encourage, celebrate, and meaningfully connect with others. So like, I'm gonna be honest with you. When everybody said happy birthday to me on my Facebook wall, that felt really, really good. And I really appreciated that. It was lovely. So, uh, so like, that's a good way to use technology is to encourage people, to connect with people, to celebrate people, to show them that you appreciate them. That's, that's definitely a good aspect. Um, so here's a self-awareness piece, uh, something cool that you can use technology for audio journaling. I don't know if anybody's ever tried that, but there are some really helpful apps out there that um, have a dictation feature on them that, are, that uh, is very accurate and can help you keep track of stuff. So maybe writing stuff down isn't helpful, but if you wanna start caring for yourself well, some sort of journaling could be a, could be a helpful strategy for that. And tech can help facilitate that better. Um, the last one is this, apps to better facilitate real world experiences. So, um, like in our staff meetings, we all work off of a, a Google Doc that we all share. And so we can, like we see real time what people are, are doing in that process. Everything's documented well. People are like editing things that other people put in. And it's actually like a really helpful tool that we use in our staff meetings. So that is like a way that technology is sort of augmenting our real world experience. So uh, here's the next piece, taking control of your tech addiction. So getting strategic about our tech addiction. If you could implement a regular tech Sabbath into your schedule, that would be really, really helpful. If you could find some way to just put technology away for a day, maybe it's one day a week, maybe it's one day every two weeks or something like that, but taking time to actually give your soul rest from technology. Um, and, and if you notice yourself starting to get anxious when you don't have it, that's like, it's probably a good thing and you should probably lean into that a little bit because that's showing you how much you actually rely upon this stuff. So, uh, so implement a regular tech Sabbath. 
Schedule non-tech time at home. So this is especially for those of you who you find like the time at home is just disappearing and then you get home and then you spend time on your phones and then it's time for bed. So it, it would be really, really helpful if maybe like when you know everybody's gotta be home, we have an hour where we're just sitting and like, God forbid, talking to each other, you know? Like that, like that would be really, really helpful. Schedule non-tech time at home. Implement this general rule, everybody, including myself. You can all, when you see me not following this rule, you can call me a hypocrite, absolutely go for it. When, implement this rule, when I'm with people, I'm off tech. When I'm with people, I'm off tech. So that, so that we recognize the, the walls that these things can build between us and that we are conscious of that and we make an effort to put those walls down. Uh, next strategy, learn to utilize the do not disturb function on your devices. They almost all of them have it. Uh, you can schedule when it goes and uh, when, it, when it sort of shuts everything down for a period of time. So learn to utilize that. Um, it, it'll shut down all your notifications and that sort of thing. And speaking of notifications, turn off all non-human notifications. So here's another aspect of the way the apps on your devices are built. They are built to give you that feeling that somebody is trying to connect with you to give you that happy like dopamine release, right? And so they send meaningless notifications to you to engage you psychologically. That way they can get you to spend time on their platforms, right? So you have, you have a notification center in your phone where you can go and you can turn off all the non-human notifications. I would highly, highly recommend that. So leave on things like, like text messaging and maybe even like your Facebook messenger, but anything where a program is trying to contact you. So like uh, in Facebook, you can see when somebody else is interested in particular events. That's a time when a program is reaching out to you and trying to suck you into its vortex and you need to fight against that, okay? Um, Okay, so uh, put only, uh, the next one, put only essential apps on your home screen. So know, know which apps you use and which apps are essential or, and are gonna keep you the most organized and then maybe take Facebook and Instagram and put them on the next page because the instant that you open your phone and you see them on your home page, the temptation is always just to click on them and you can do it without even thinking about it. And so uh, to take control a little bit, you can take those and put them off on the next page. Okay, here's, here's the really fun one. Put your phone in grayscale. So you have everybody on your phones, uh, if you have a, a smartphone like I do, you likely have an option uh, to change it to grayscale where you can take all of the colors off of your phone. I don't know if you know this about these tech companies, but part of the thing that they use to engage you is the color. So like um, your notification bubble on all of your apps is red with a little number in the middle of it. And that red bubble sets off an alert inside of your soul that says, I need to figure out what's going on there, okay? So so if you turn it to grayscale, that alert is significantly lessened, okay? So, so if, you could, if you change it to grayscale, it's helpful. But then, so like, you're like, but I really wanna see color on my phone. Well, then you can turn it off, right? So like you, you have the ability to turn that grayscale off, but what happens is that you are taking control of this thing instead of letting it control you. And that's what we are talking about this morning. Okay, and oh, just like, just another interesting tidbit. If you do change your phone to grayscale, I would wager that it would make your devices far less interesting to your toddlers, whoever is like working on those things. So uh, it's uh, just a little, uh, just 
Uh, okay, so the last piece is this, training the next generation to master their tech. So I wanna talk about why this is important and then we'll, um, we'll dig into the specific strategies. So uh, research is coming out that is showing more often than not that like tech is drastically changing and shaping the next generation. In fact, anybody who was born, uh, who is actually like what we consider the next generation, zero to 18, uh, they will all have grown up with the reality of social media existing in our culture. Okay, so these are just interesting things to know. Technology is shaping and drastically changing the way people in the next generation relate. And so the first one is this, I would say lead by example. So if you can show your kids what it looks like to relate to a person without having a phone in your hand, it's more likely that they're going to learn that skill as well. The next one is this, wait as long as you can before giving any sort of tech to them. And the, the general reason is this, it's much easier to have never given it to them than it is to take it away. Uh, so, so wait as long as you are able. Uh, third one is this, and most people I see do this pretty well already, but limit their time on tech. So make sure that you're placing some sort of boundaries, some sort of limitations on there for them. Uh, next one, keep an eye on how they use it and the effect that it has. So uh, I think as a culture, we are sort of wired to like, think this is like an invasion of privacy or something like that. And let me just tell you, if your kids are living under your roof, which generally they are, uh, that you have the authority and the right to have your eyes on what it is that they are encountering in this realm. Okay, so if I have kids in here, any teenagers, you might have gotten really uncomfortable with that, and that's okay because your parents have the right to know what is going on in this realm because they are raising you and they're investing you and they're trying to send you off in a God glorifying manner, okay? So, um, and as parents, as you engage with this realm, as you look at what they're interacting with, be aware of the effect that it's having on them as well. As much as you can, see how it shapes them. See how it changes and, and, and figure out how you can step into their situation and help reorient them towards the things that God would have them look at. And the last one is this, implement some sort of regular family devotional time. So if the, uh, the pattern of daily connecting with God is wired into them from an early age, uh, they're going to be far more aware and likely of when technology is impeding that connection. So if you are able to find some sort of way to implement a daily or a regular family devotional time, that'll be really, really helpful. Okay, so what? Ephesians 6.12 says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly, heavenly places. So don't be deceived. These tools of constant amusement, they are being used to keep us in the dark, to keep us docile, to keep us spiritually ineffective and immature. And the enemy is absolutely happy to see the ways that this technology phenomenon is keeping people ignorant to these most important things. And so we can't afford to let these things continue to master us, but for the sake of our own growth, for the sake of the next generation at Village Church, for the sake of impacting the kingdom of God, God, he desperately wants to have a relationship with us and he can do some amazing things with people who are willing to have a relationship with him. 
The question is, can we take our eyes off of our distractions and acknowledge them? Let's start using our technology as a tool instead of letting it just happen to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, these are tools that you have given us. And Lord, and I thank you for the good that these tools can be used for. But Lord, I ask that you would make us more discerning and more aware of how these things can affect our lives. Lord, and in the midst of that, I ask that you would give us the ability to start taking steps and start implementing strategies. Lord, I will be the first to confess that I am addicted to my technology. And so, Lord, I, I do come to you and I ask, Lord, I ask that you would forgive me for the ways that I have given myself over to this more than I have given myself over to you. Lord, I pray that you would show each and every one of us what it looks like to take these practical steps, Lord, but I also pray that you would just show us the wonder of who Jesus is, the extent that you were willing to go to so that you might win a relationship with us. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that we get to reflect on that every week through communion. So Lord, right now I pray that you would just fix our eyes on you and the wonder of who you are. I pray all of this in Jesus' name.